You're listening to the Tunisia Podcast, hosted by Zizou from Jerba. Visit his blog at zizoufromjerba.com. The Tunisia Podcast, a place for discussions about news, politics, culture, and the arts from a Tunisian perspective. This program is sponsored by Nest, the network of English-speaking Tunisians. Welcome everyone to episode 2 of the Zizou Tunisia podcast. The Tunisian city of Qurwain was chosen as the Islamic culture capital for the Arab region for the year 2009. This for me was an opportunity to invite Tarq Kahlewi Tarek Kahlewi is an assistant professor of Islamic art at Rutgers University in the United States. I did a long interview with Dr. Kahlewi and we spoke about the creation of the city of Qarwain but also about the place that Islam occupies in modern Tunisia. So I won't let you wait any longer and let's hear the interview I did with Dr. Kahrawi. For the first question I would go ahead and ask you if you can give us a little background about the city of Qurwain and if you can explain its importance in the Tunisian and Islamic culture. Um, Qairawan uh, was one of the earliest um, uh, urban um, centers uh, founded by Muslims in the early Islamic period. Um, well, the, the historical tradition um, tells us that it was founded in around 670 uh, AD um, this was in the beginning, really, of the Islamic conquest um, uh, of North Africa. This was the first major urban center, uh, Islamic urban center in North Africa. Um, uh, uh, its name, Qairawan, uh, it's, it's the Arabic uh, word, uh, one of the Arabic words for um, uh, 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 military camps. Um, and Arabs, the early um, uh, Muslims, um, Arab Muslims, uh, started... Uh, uh, their urban uh, experience, um, their urbanization really experience uh, on the basis of um, uh, Roman Byzantine traditions uh, that is following um, the military camps, the uh, straight wide streets of the military yeah, camps. And, 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 he, and here let me please Tarek, I want to ask you a question um, I mean you're talking about the foundation of this city in like 670 AD yeah. in Tunisia and everybody knows that Tunisia was the um, the was the where the Carthaginian Empire was born and where the Romans settled for centuries. And why would the Muslims build their own city? Why don't they build uh, or one, take one of the city they conquered and then uh, state that? Uh, and choose it. For instance, like let's talk about Carthage. Why didn't they choose Carthage as the capital and went ahead and 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 built their own city? 
Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. And uh, scholars actually are still debating this whole thing. Why Kairouan? That is why the location of Kairouan, which is um, uh, for people who don't know really the geography of Tunisia, modern-day Tunisia, um, Kairouan is basically, uh, geographically speaking, um, and from um, uh, uh, the climate point of view also, uh, Kairouan is right in between uh, the northern part and the southern part of um, Tunisia. And it's it's uh, in between uh, the arid um, Saharan um, climate and the northern Mediterranean climate of Tunisia. And um, it's um, um, the early scholars, mainly French scholars, um, well, um, one of the main things they um, uh, uh, emphasized that uh, here we are talking about Arab Bedouins who were um, really concerned to be uh, near the uh, uh, near the Saharan environment, um, but later many scholars, including Western and uh, Tunisian scholars, I, I would like to mention specifically Ahmed Msherik, who is uh, one of my old professors. He wrote an article uh, like four or five years ago, I think, or m maybe um, before that, uh, where he explained that it's it's not exactly that. It's not because they were Bedouins and they wanted to be uh, close to the Saharan climate and Saharan environment. It was more like um, uh, this was a fertile um, region and um, the early Muslims were not really very keen and well um, equipped to defend the coast. Uh, and they were, uh, they were not, in the beginning, uh, good mariners. And that's why they started in the beginning to be a little bit away from the coast. Uh, and that's why they didn't really go near uh, or they didn't use or revive um, uh, older urban centers uh, on the coast, like Carthage and other urban centers on the Tunisian coast. But um, uh, uh, knowing, knowing that uh, they struggled really to conquer the Berber uh, tribes uh, that were based not far from Kherwain, would you think that choosing Kherwain as a site was a mistake? No, no, I, I, I don't think so. Kairouan was a successful urban center, and uh, it started in 670, started a very small um, agglomeration, but then uh, it started growing and growing really fast in the 9th century when the Aglabids were the rulers of uh, most of uh, the Maghreb, uh, most of North Africa. And um, I, I think it was a successful um, uh, capital, even when the Fatimids um, went um, um, away and uh, founded uh, a coastal capital uh, in Mahdiya, um, they ended up going back to Kairouan or the um, uh, neighborhoods of Kairouan. Uh, so Kairouan really um, remained the major urban center in North Africa uh, for a while, at least until the 11th, 12th century, that is, uh, until the post Zirid uh, period. So it's uh, it, it was a successful urban center, I think. It, it wasn't a failure. Uh, and uh, uh, so here let's let's maybe move forward and maybe uh, talk about Kairouan today, which is different, um, uh, I think, from Kairouan, uh, the, the historical Kairouan. Kairouan uh, uh, went in uh, uh, in decline for 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 um, uh, many centuries. Uh, it, it was sometimes rebuilt by the new rulers, um, whoever they were, and uh, but but it, it wasn't really um, so, a so very prosperous city. So here we, you want to say that when the capital of the land that is known as Tunisia right now moved to Tunis, um, 
I mean, Cairo went into decline. Its schools stopped being like a place of uh, exchange of knowledge. Uh, and here, um, I would also mention the fact that Qurwan was famous for its medicine and also other uh, its uh, scientific achievement. So what you're saying is that when the capital moved to Tunis, Qurwan uh, stopped existing. Let's say on the Tunisian map. No, it, it, it remained uh, a symbol. And, um, yeah, this is an interesting history of Qairawan. Um, most people usually emphasize Qairawan, the pre-12th century Qairawan. And uh, very few people really emphasized um, um, the Hafsid Qairawan or the Ottoman Qairawan. And uh, I think there is a history to be uh, reconstructed of Qairawan. Uh, I don't think it was really of decline. Uh, we know from um, uh, modern-day Qairawan that there is this whole pride um, of uh, Qairawani families. Uh, and they think that whole symbolic uh, leverage um, or capital um, uh, uh, was there. And people looked at Qaira when, uh, when they looked at Qaira when they looked uh, at its at symbolic uh, capital, maybe not uh, a, a political or economic capital, but it, it, I think symbolically there was another history of Qaira when that is still underneath the, uh, the known history. And that's, that's something I think to be um, reconstructed. Yeah, so. Um and here uh, I'm interested also to know a little bit about the relationship between Qirwan and Tunis as capital of uh, Islamic culture, knowing the achievement of the Zaytuna Mosque scholar. And I'm wondering if there is still a scholarship, I mean, in within the context of Islam in the city of Qirwan, or we chose it just for the fact that it hosts the first mosque in North Africa. No, I think, it's, as you said earlier, it wasn't just because it, it was the location of the major, let's say, not the, uh, not the earliest, not the first mosque, certainly, but the major first mosque, the major, the first major congregational mosque in, in North Africa. Uh, but it wasn't only that that, that uh, made it really, uh, that uh, gave it uh, all its symbolic um, leverage. I think um, uh, there are many things, including um, it's, it was major political uh, cult um, uh, capital, but it was the capital of um, the main um, uh, religious school in, in uh, uh, Islamic North Africa, that is uh, Malikism. Uh, Malikism was spread. Uh, from Qairawan. Um, it was, um, Malik ibn Anas was not from North Africa, he was um, from the Arabian Peninsula and uh, he was, to be precise, from Medina uh, and his whole scholarship was brought into Qairawan and Qairawan was really the center of Malikism, at least in the beginning from uh, the 9th century and onwards. Uh, the 10th, the 11th century, especially with the major conflict between uh, Malikism and Shiism in, uh, in North Africa and in Tunisia, to be specific. Uh, so, Qairawan was uh, a major cultural uh, center of uh, religious scholarship, and as you said, of medicine, of poetry, of... Uh, it, it was really um, one of the major early Islamic uh, political, uh, p um, cultural um, uh, capitals. Um, I mean, even um, when comparing it to other Islamic capitals from the East. Um, so, uh, I don't think, uh, I mean, yes, Tunis, uh, which, uh, Tunis, by the way, uh, became uh, the capital of um, um, uh, uh, the Hafsid, uh, 
um, uh, emirate or uh, the Hafsid um, uh, state. It's, it's really uh, hard to define these political entities. Um, uh, uh, so, um, uh, so by Hafsid we mean mainly 13th, 14th century onwards. Uh, so, and Tunis, it doesn't mean that it was really a marginal um, uh, urban center, but it, uh, it's, it's um, uh, let's say, I, I would like to emphasize this term, symbolic leverage. It's symbolic leverage from the Islamic um, from the perspective of the Islamic world is certainly um, uh, less obvious, let's say, than Qairawan. So I think it, 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 it's just, um, um, it's just um, uh, expected to uh, announce, to select from modern-day Tunisia Qairawan as the Islamic capital, um, cultural capital. And I, I personally find it interesting, the fact that the Islamic capital for 2009 um, was chosen to be in the country of Tunisia. Um, for one, I think that uh, Tunisia is not, um, let's say, um, doesn't practice in Islam the way it's practiced in the Middle East. And I find it as a kind of um, maybe a political decision where um, we're choosing a, a more moderate, I would say, Islam. Um, but I would like to know uh, a little bit about um, the place, I mean, can you give us an idea on the place of Islam in Tunisia right now and what kind of Islam is practiced and, and how do you see the relationship between the religion, the people and the government, knowing that um, Tunisia's independence uh, was led by a very secular guy uh, whose name is Bourguiba, of course. Well, I, I I I must disagree with many things you have said already here in your question. I don't I don't agree with some characterization, including that Bourguiba was a very clear secularist. Uh, that's a very controversial um, characterization, and uh, we would like debate it for hours, but we don't we can't do it really here. But um, well, for the first point also, I I, uh, um, I, I would really uh, be somehow hesitant to give a political connotation to the selection of Qairawan because then we have to really uh, uh, go through um, a thorough analysis. Uh, why Baku, uh, for example? Why in Jamina from the African sphere? So uh, we have to be careful, I think, uh, with, with the process of selection. We have also to compare it with the 2008 selection, if there was any selection. And uh, so we have to be careful in that conclusion. But um, uh, that is the conclusion that it has a uh, political connotation. Uh, it, it, it must have a political consequence, but it, it doesn't have um, uh, to have necessarily um, in the start, in its initiative, uh, any political connotation. Um, well, Islam in Tunisia, that's um, a, a very interesting uh, topic, of course. Uh, many people um, know that um, uh, um, the, the relationship between um, Islam and uh, the state and the, the, the way Islam is um, um, dealt with in Tunisia is different than, um, let's say, n not really the Middle East, too, um, because I don't like generalization, uh, generalizations in general. So uh, let's say uh, some parts of the Middle East and also some parts of North Africa um, and some parts of the Islamic world, too. 
Um, so that's that's um, to compare the, the Islam in Tunisia to other places. We have also to be careful uh, because many people have um, uh, said so many things about that, and they would be carried away with um, huge generalizations, and then uh, they would be surprised when we have uh, um, uh, the comeback of religion in uh, Tunisia, like it's 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 happening right now. So um, uh, they uh, they get surprised and they would say, well, we have all these satellites, satellite channels, and that's the only uh, explanation for the coming back of um, um, uh, religiosity in can, can Tunisia. You, Tarek, can you, I would interrupt you here. And can you give us a, a little bit of like a background on the evolution from 56, the independence of Tunisia to now? Because you're talking about the comeback, so... Are you, yeah. Do you mean that so, it has disappeared, or can you give us just an overview, really quickly? Okay, in '56, um, uh, we have this party, the Party of uh, National Liberation, led by um, many really uh, leaders. But uh, afterwards, Bourguiba, Habib Bourguiba, um, uh, uh, overcome um, all the other uh, leaders, and he uh, established a despotic state. Uh, and he was basically the main leader. He was the president of the republic, and he was ruling everything. Um, and uh, one of the things uh, he, he was really interested in is leading uh, a religious reform. And he announced himself as a religious reform. Uh, and one of the things he um, did, he um, um, he banned uh, uh, um, the um, he established monogamy. Uh, and that's that's something uh, uh, that is that I mean by law, which is which is not the case in other Islamic countries. He also interfered in other um, uh, questions related to um, the con um, uh, the um, um, the practice of Islam, uh, including um, the habus, the um, uh, Islamic public trusts and private trusts. He uh, forbade um, the habus, which is a very old Islamic institution. Uh, but the way he did this, it was not the Turkish at the Turkish at the Turkian way. That is, uh, uh, it was not by uh, um, um, enforcing a separation between the state and re the religion, but by assigning to the state um, the role of leading religious reform. Uh, which is something that happened in Islamic history. And he knows that. By the way, he mentioned some examples, and he's right about it. In the Abbasid period, we have at least two or three examples of caliphs announcing that they, they were not simply caliphs, but also religious reforms. So, Habib Bourguiba um, uh, character, characterized himself not as a secularist, not at, at, at the opposite. He represented himself as a religious reform. He represented himself as that the religion must be practiced as the state um, uh, decides. Uh, if the state decides there is no Ramadan, which he happened to say once, then there is no Ramadan, because that's, that's how things should be done. Uh, the state interferes in religious affairs. That's the major um, uh, characterization of the Bourguibian way uh, of dealing uh, with religion. Here you're meaning that uh, Bourguiba's era from 56 to 87. Um, and if we continue the background, we had an emergence of um, Islamic political Islam in Tunisia in the 80s. And can you just continue the overview up to now? Uh, 
Yeah, well, it, it started really in the 70s, but then uh, it, its climax uh, was in the 80s. Um, and this is uh, an Islamist movement uh, that was very similar to other Islamist Sunni movements from the Islamic world, like the Muslim Brotherhoods, but they were not really part of the Muslim Brotherhood. This is the North African version, Tunisian version of um, the Islamist um, uh, movements. Um, and they went through many phases. And uh, it, was, it was really a comeback not of Islam uh, 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 per se, but uh, of um, uh, Islamism. This is Islamism. Uh, this is modern Islamism. Uh, this is the coming back of um, another um, way of looking to the relationship of uh, politics and Islam, uh, a more traditional way, not the modernizing way of Bourguiba. Um, they rejected many of his interpretations. Really, the conflict between Bourguiba and the Islamist movement was not about embracing Islam, but it was uh, about a different interpretation of Islam. Uh, both of them claimed that they were uh, the real Muslims, uh, and uh, but everyone was um, uh, claiming a different interpretation of Islam. That's the main conflict between both of these and, uh, parties. And here, where, where, where is the population of Tunisia? Where do you situate it? Um, yeah, I, th I think the population of Tunisia also went um, um, through um, uh, many phases from 56 to um, the 80s and then the 90s. Um, after the post-colonial period, especially in the 60s and the 70s, um, the Tunisian population did not go through uh, a phase of uh, rejection, of rejecting um, religion, but of marginalizing um, its role in the public sphere. And this is the era of um, the emergence and uh, the domination, really, of um, uh, leftist um, uh, discourses. Uh, which really marginalized uh, religion. Uh, so the population did not reject Islam. They embraced, um, they still, they were uh, basically still embracing traditional Islam. Um, uh, but they, uh, is the presence of Islam in the public sphere, in politics to be precise, uh, was uh, somehow marginalized, especially by the opposition movements. Uh, and that's why Bourguiba's found the common ground in the 1970s with the Islamist movement and again in the early um, 1980s. Um, so uh, 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 that's, that's uh, uh, something that was really clear in the 1970s. But beginning from the 1980s, and especially with the failure of uh, the um, leftist communist movements throughout the world, and the, um, the major event of the Iranian revolution, um, there was a new uh, environment. And uh, within that environment, we have the, um, uh, 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 the coming back of Islam in the public sphere. And with that, the the um, uh, uh, the enforcement and the uh, uh, the domination really in the 1980s of the Islamist movement, represented in Al-Ittihad uh, al-Islami and then another uh, until the end of the 1980s. Uh, uh, but um, so in the 1990s, well, what happened is that in the beginning of the 1990s we have uh, a clash, a huge clash between uh, the government, uh, which uh, was really uh, a continuation of the major uh, discourses of the Bourguiban era. Uh, uh, um, um, in 1987, I, I, maybe some people, of course, don't know this, in November 1987, there was a change in the regime. Um, a, new, uh, a new figure came uh, in, and, but, but the main discourse uh, remained 
all generally the same. Uh, and uh, there was a huge clash between the Islamist movement and the new regime. And uh, uh, the, uh, uh, let's say the Islamist movement was wiped out. Uh, and uh, so that's the start of a new period, I think, in the 1990s. And we have the, um, uh, 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 the emergence or re-emergence of uh, leftist figures within the government this time, not from the opposition. Uh, and this phase um, remained um, throughout, basically, in the 1990s. And uh, so that's 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 the 1990s, I think. Tarek, can you can you describe how life can be in a Muslim country where Islamism has been wiped out. Can you describe a little bit the lifestyle and how people would look like? Uh, just to give us an idea. Well, I, I'll be talking about the 1990s in Tunisia. I don't know about other cases. Um, I, I, I was a student in Tunisia in the 1990s and uh, I, 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 um, I was, I mean, I was close observer of what happened in the 1990s. Um, the the thing is, uh, here we don't have only um, uh, uh, the um, absence of an Islamist movement, but also at the same time the absence of um, uh, a, a system, of political system that uh, integrates uh, different uh, points of views, uh, let's say. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is an environment where um, everything uh, looks alike and um, everything basically is dictated from uh, the state. And this is um, uh, this is an environment that is not really very different from uh, other uh, environments that are not Islamic and yet they uh, have the same political structure. Uh, uh, the lifestyle, uh, I think, um, uh, was uh, seemingly uh, westernized. Uh, uh, seemingly, you can see um, 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 uh, on the surface, uh, westernized lifestyle. Uh, Yet, uh, that was really on the surface. Um, uh, there was no uh, uh, major, uh, there were no major debates, cultural debates uh, about anything, uh, let's say. And uh, I think th the absence of the Islamist movement was a political absence. Uh, but the major cultural issues um, involving and engaging uh, the question, the questions of the relationship between Islam and the state, and uh, uh, the presence of the of Islam in the public sphere, um, were still there. Uh, and until this moment, we 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 still don't have any major wide public debates about these issues, uh, and uh, that's um, that's I think one of the major problems. So, uh, uh, can, yeah. can, can you describe the situation of women within this system? Well, um, um, it's um, the situa situation of women in Tunisia uh, is clearly um, um, uh, 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 th there are more um, uh, uh, there is a margin, let's say, of uh, individual um, freedom uh, for women in in, Tun in Tunisia. Um, but uh, it's um, well. Um, th there are also many laws that protect women. Uh, the process of divorce. Let's just take an example. Is clearly um, uh, 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 more institutionalized, uh, and the power um, of male, the masculine power in deciding uh, divorce, 
um, within other Islamic countries uh, is more powerful, clearly, from uh, the situation in Tunisia. Uh, women uh, are protected by law. They can also um, uh, um, uh, get divorced by themselves. Um, so it's um, it's 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 a different situation, certainly. But uh, I think we have to be careful here. Uh, it's um, it's a very complicated issue. Again, the question is: uh, is um, uh, 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 do we have really um, uh, a major different cultural sphere than uh, the other Islamic countries, or is it? Um, simply uh, a, a different body of laws. I, I think this is this is a problem that we have to be careful in in, in debating and uh, deconstructing. So that's that's I think uh, another issue. But l l let me go back to the 1990s, the end of the 1990s, the beginning of um, the 21st century. We have a new era, a, an era where um, uh, religion um, uh, was uh, coming back in force. Um, People were somehow afraid in uh, the beginning and the middle of the 1990s from um, uh, practicing religion for political reasons, N not necessarily because the state was um, uh, 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 was um, preventing people from practicing their religion. Not it's not that. It's more of uh, some uh, uh, general um, uh, 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 fear. Uh, from from practicing religion, but by the by the end of the 1990s, we have a totally different situation. Ca the coming back of uh, religiosity, let's say, um, of practicing religion in force in wide numbers and in many um, forms, uh, not um, only traditional Malikism, uh, uh, which is the mainstream um, uh, Islamic uh, school in Tunisia, but also in other forms. Um, coming from abroad, including Wahhabi Salafism and also um, Shias in in some cases. Um, so it's um, it's it's more vibrant, more diverse, um, but it's it's somehow um, uh, 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 in in some cases at least uh, out of control. That is, um, uh, uh, it's uh, it's really for example, it's really difficult to find people who are talking in the name of Salafi uh, Wahhabis. Uh, and it's it's there, but it's not represented in uh, the cultural um, uh, uh, front. Uh, they again, we still lack with all these cultural transformations. We still lack um, the pulpits, the uh, places where people uh, represent these uh, trends, uh, and 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 uh, where people really can can uh, expose all these questions. And uh, debate them publicly and w without any fear, and um, so that's that's something that we need really to see in in Tunisia. So, uh, with the comeback of the practice of religion, are you meaning or are you trying to say that secular secularism has disappeared? No, I mean this this very idea. I think it's a French idea, or it, not even French idea. It's it's, it's some kind of. Very weird idea that I found it in uh, 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 in some uh, with uh, some Tunisian um, uh, seculars. That is the presence of re religiosity, the presence of the practice of religion uh, means uh, the, the 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 at the same time um, um, uh, the decline of secularism. And this is this is a very weird idea. I mean, in you know, in the states here, it's it's uh, um, I think ninety percent. 
of um, uh, the population of the United States believe in something that is God, uh, at least 60% are, are actually very religious people. Uh, and uh, um, But still, we have a secular government. Uh, I think we have to be careful here. This very idea of the coming back of um, uh, religio religiosity is against uh, and it is a threat to uh, secularism is a problem. And beyond that, it, in Tunisia, we don't have a secular state. That's the other thing. We have to be careful here. As I said, Bourguiba did not establish a secular state. It's not simply in the constitution that we have that clause that says um, Islam is the state of religion, whatever its meaning. But it's actually in reality that the state is running the religious affairs. Until this moment, uh, we know that um, the imams uh, in the Friday prayers, in the major weekly prayer, receive their uh, sermons from um, the Ministry of Religious Affairs. This is a centralized, very religious state to me. It, it doesn't look to me like a, a secular state. So we have here to be careful also with this. But the, the question you might ask is... The threat is the coming back of religious practice with all these trends, including thing, uh, schools like Wahhabi Salafism. Is it a threat to the modern, moderate um, Islamic version that is really mainstream in Tunisian society? That's the main question. It's not, it's not the question of secularism and um, uh, 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 religious practice. Um, here I, I, I just have a feeling that uh, we're a little bit confused. Can you give us just an idea about the proportion of people. I mean, you spoke about the U.S. 90%. Give us the numbers mm. for Tunisia. Well, we don't know the numbers. I, I, I would like to know the numbers. Um, um, we know the numbers of people who really practice religion uh, from other statistics, uh, not directly. Um, well, let's, let's state the very basic numbers. Um, more than I think 95 or 97 or I don't know percent are uh, uh, Muslims in Tunisia. Uh, we have very small portion of uh, Christians and um, uh, Jewish communities. Um, so uh, that's that's one thing. The other thing, the other statistic that we can uh, bring in into this discussion is statistics. Uh, um, uh, statistic that I think came um, out um, a month ago, I think, um, uh, which was about which um, radios were um, most listened to by um, uh, the population of Tunisia, and it happens that um, uh, the number one. Um, um, radio in Tunisia was um, the new founded, uh, newly founded religious um, uh, radio, private uh, radio called Zaytuna. Uh, uh, so, so here I, I, I still don't get it. So you're saying 97% are Muslims, 3% are Christians and Jews. So where are the secular? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know who are the secular. And by the way, when uh, your questions implies that seculars don't have to be Muslims. Uh, no, that's 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 already um, a, a problematic uh, approach. Uh, people can be religious and still can be secular. It's it's, um, and as I said, we don't know. We don't know how many people are secular. It's not simply a matter of statistics. It's also a matter of. Um, the absence of public debates about these issues. So really, we don't know how many people are seculars. But to me, uh, looking at the political landscape, uh, because we know the political landscape in Tunisia, 
looking at um, uh, 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 statistics like um, um, uh, who is listening to Zaytun uh, and um, knowing the widespread popularity of various forms of Islamist movements beginning from the 1980s um, and looking, uh, looking at the rise really of the interest even of the governing party in Tunisia um, uh, into religious affairs and religious symbolic gestures um, it's hard to me to see um, any um, tangible presence of secularism in Tunisia uh, so this is uh, uh, again how, how can yeah. you um, I mean you're, you're saying basically that um, being secular in Tunisia is something underground is something that goes I don't know uh, I, I, I need no, to understand here because the thing is like when you see mosques in regular days uh, there are much more people in the streets than in the mosques uh, when you see uh, all the bikinis on the beach uh, you might not you might think that this country is totally secular when you might see the consumption of beers and alcohol that's uh, forbidden in Islam going into hectoliters per per capita I think we are, have the highest uh, consumption in the Middle Eastern uh, world of alcohol per capita. Uh, so here also these are statistics that would give us an idea that secularism somehow, but, but or th that, th people, that people that are somehow not adopting, um, not practicing religion exist in this country. No, but th again, this is this is uh, a, p a problematic approach. Saying that people, if people consume a lot of alcohol, that that means that they are seculars. The, the, uh, this is this is not the way to define secularism. I think. Uh, 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 I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, defining it that way, but I'm saying no, no, these are uh, details uh, that gives you an idea that the country. Somehow. No, I don't think they give you any idea about secularism. What they give you idea is about a, sp a special relationship of Tun um, um, that Tunisians have with Islam. Uh, and by the way, the conception of this is this is another problematic idea. That is the high conception of uh, alcohol. This was part of uh, pre-modern Islamic history. The, I mean, the conception of alcohol was always there. Maybe uh, quantitatively now, um, um, because alcohol is produced in mass, uh, maybe it's it's going up, but alcohol was always there. We know that from uh, historic source, sources. So, But to say that um, uh, 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 this is an indication of some kind of secularism, not, not right. Not not exactly. I think um, many Muslims in Tunisia um, they would be very fervent about um, uh, uh, some Islamic issues, um, including um, uh, fasting in Ramadan, including um, uh, uh, being very fervent about defending um, the image of the Prophet. Let's say, mm -hmm. uh, yet they might consume alcohol at the same time. This is this is I think one of the um, major characteristics of what people call moderate Islam in, in Tunisia. So um, it's um, I mean we again and even this doesn't mean and doesn't have doesn't have necessarily to have any relation to um, uh, the uh, 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 the weight 
of um, uh, secularism in, in Tunisia. The, the secularism is is a, a position that can be taken from religious and non-religious people. Uh, that's that's totally a different issue, I think. Well, thank you so much, Tarap. Uh, this was a very interesting uh, discussion. Um, I would ask you a last question. If I'm interested about this debate, if I'm interested to know about the situation of Islam in Tunisia or Islamic art in Tunisia, what uh, you would advise us to do? Um, uh, well, the first thing is, of course, to visit Qairawan. But uh, uh, that might actually mislead people. Qairawan is not the only place to visit. Uh, let me let me uh, the other day I had a discussion with a colleague from uh, Red Cross and uh, he was going to visit uh, Tunisia this summer so uh, I gave him um, uh, an uh, an itinerary to go uh, um, through and I'll just uh, um, uh, um, I'll just tell you exactly what what I told this um, colleague uh, well the first thing is uh, to select two places from which you can visit uh, the rest of the places you can um, you should locate yourself mainly in two places in uh, Tunis and from Tunis you can visit uh, um, uh, places in Kabbon like Hammamet Hammamet is a major Islamic city by the way um, uh, and you can visit other places like uh, Benzert or Bizert um, uh, and from Susa you can visit Susa itself which is um, the Islamic city of Susa is one of the major Islamic cities in North Africa uh, it was competing, by the way, with Cairoan. It was the port uh, of Cairoan. It was the harbor of Cairoan in the early Islamic period. Um, uh, you can visit uh, from Susa, you can visit Cairoan itself, and you can visit also Sfax. Sfax uh, or Sfax um, uh, is, is another major Islamic um, uh, city. And by the way, the old city of Sfax still at this moment, um, especially the Zirid, Zirid monuments, in, in, that is the 11th century monuments in Sfax, are, are some of the major um, uh, Shiite uh, monuments um, in, 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 in North Africa. Um, and, uh, well, my um, favorite is, of course, Jerba. I, I, I was usually working in Jerba, in, uh, um, digging, excavating in Jerba and doing uh, anthropological work. So Jerba is another really counterexample of um, Islamic uh, cities and Islamic monuments, let's say, because we don't have really Islamic cities uh, in the pre-modern era, which is this is this is something that maybe not many people know, but uh, Jerba is very um, uh, beautiful place to go to. Uh, it's another version of Islam. It's this is not uh, uh, Maliki Islam. This is Ibadi Islam, uh, and this is one of the few uh, uh, um, religious minorities that are Muslims that we have in Tunisia. So uh, that's another place to go to. to. Well, uh, thank you so much, Tarek, once again. Thank you, Ziad, for giving me this opportunity as well. Thanks. You're listening to the Tunisia Podcast, hosted by Zizou from Jerba. Visit his blog at zizoufromjerba.com. The Tunisia Podcast, a place for discussions about news, politics, culture, and the arts from a Tunisian perspective. This program is sponsored by NEST, the network of English-speaking Tunisians.